0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a StayCast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate, he's a great skin, he has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out.
1: This is the Everything is Black and White podcast, brought to you by Chronicle Live bringing you the latest insight on everything to do with Newcastle United. You can find us on iTunes, ACAS, Spotify, or most podcast providers. Hello welcome to Everything is Black and White Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove. I'm joined here by Kieran Kelly. Thankfully, we're in the second week of the international break and it means that uh, domestic football is now back on the horizon. However, we're going to kind of um, keep going with the international break with a discussion about Newcastle United's international stars, those who uh, have impressed over the last week with their various teams and countries, and those who maybe should be um, playing for their, their country and are not. But before we do, we're going to talk about that favourite topic of so many people and that's Newcastle United takeover. Um, over the weekend, Sir Jim Ratcliffe uh, was revealed that he considered buying Newcastle United before he went out and bought the league one side, Nice. Now, Sir Jim Ratcliffe was also linked to Chelsea and is Britain's richest man. Uh, so, I mean, first of all, for Newcastle fans to hear that Britain's richest man considered Newcastle United and decided to go to to, to Ligon and buy Nice, that, that'll hurt fans, won't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it was his brother, Bob, was it, who, who did the interview with BBC, and, um, you know, I think whenever fans hear takeover and parties... They're always sceptical so it's good to hear something on the record and I think what he was saying really was that they looked at all the Premier League teams and he name-checked Newcastle because obviously Newcastle when you're talking about clubs being for sale are the ones who always come up because it seems like they've been for sale for a long time but um, I know for a fact it's not been unusual, really, for a club to be on the market for this long and to not find a buyer. It's just Newcastle's obviously been so public. It's played out in public. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's it's the recurring subject. Whenever the transfer window closes, it seems to come up. With the, the Radcliffe uh, thing, I think they're, they're dipping their toe in the water a bit with football. Um, they've invested in other sports before. Football is a big passion of Sir Jim's. Um, growing up as uh, a Man- Manchester United fan um, growing up and they're, they're almost being quite sensible about it in that Nice you can buy a club like Nice fantastic area anyone who's been there on holiday can tell you that um, a lot of potential with their academy um, and I suppose an interesting project if that's the word you want to use in trying to somehow claw the gap on PSG um, but the, I think for they're going to want to be come to the big table eventually with the Premier League. It's just they're looking at it in terms of their investment. Um, am I going to get more out of putting a lower figure into Nice, albeit it's a, not a competitive league, not as much TV money? But am I going to get more from that investment than I would paying, you know, 350 million for Newcastle? And then you obviously have the investment that's going to be needed in the infrastructure um, and the playing squad quickly that adds up doesn't it and we've seen this with other parties who have been interested before that while they you know have some of that money in the bank they don't have A. what's needed to buy the club and then to take it forward and I think that's the key if Mike Ashley is going to sell one day you want it to go to someone who wants to take the club forward not someone who's gonna you know not have that capital so the Radcliffe's you know I think will come back to the Premier League Discussion um, at some stage obviously it's a, it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened had they taken on Newcastle and taken a, a look but obviously from a distance they've looked at it and thought you know what we'll get more out of Nice and maybe that says where it is at the moment that even with all that TV money um, you know they feel as a first step into football Nice is a, is a more sensible bet so let's just read well i want to read out what
1: uh, Bob said on 5 Live um, basically, well, here we go it was difficult to rationalise purchases in the Premier League for us if you look below the top 6 they are all £150 million and above you're going to write a cheque for £50 million and get in the Everton Cup where are you going to go? you look at Newcastle and we looked at a lot of clubs you come back to a valuation in the hundreds of millions and it's difficult to contemplate um, I, it's interesting because you look at the facilities needs to have got brand new training ground effectively it's like a five star hotel a swimming pool a seven training pitches uh, it really looks fantastic and that was all signed off and built before Watcliffe even came onto the scene was yeah. even linked to the club back in 2017 so he goes in there pays us, what 91 million for a club which is which is not Nothing. an English scheme and then you know, like you've mentioned it's not exactly the most competitive of leagues so then you could argue say oh, you spend 100 150 million get up there what are you going to take on PSG probably not but second third you you're into the champions league and then you know you, you and you're not spending that much money and still say if you do, you so you paid 91 million for the club you have then spent 100 150 million you've still not
0: reached the valuation yeah. that Mike Ashley has a Newcastle United this is it and um, I think it. it's up for debate you know you look at Newcastle and you a lot of people would feel 350 million is a fair price in that you you know the potential is there the stadium is there the support is there uh, there's so much in place already that's been the crying shame I think for for you know the past few years is that you know the right hands that club could go on but um, and that's, that's the way Ashley looks at. The £350 million would be an okay investment, but I think as time goes on, in, in theory, that price could potentially go up because you're looking at the TV money, it's only going to increase. Uh, Newcastle obviously are starting to get that settled status back in the Premier League. If they can stay up this season, you're starting to see them now. It's been a few years now since they're in the Championship, so that obviously helps. Um, but I think as long as... As we go back there to, to Nice, you know Nice aren't going to get relegated. Whereas Newcastle now, between now and the spring, I don't think any buyer is seriously going to look at it as a safe investment because um, you just don't know what their status is going to be, unfortunately. I
1: mean, some fans would would then ask, well, surely that needs to wake Mike Ashley up. Mike Ashley needs to wake up and smell the coffee, so, so to speak. Because if he's looking to sell... And we've got Britain's richest man here saying, "Well, if I pay 350 million pounds, I know that I'm still going to have to probably put in another 350 million pounds just to mm-hmm. get it to a competitive level." But some people might argue, "Well, does Mike Ashley need to kind of uh, speculate to accumulate, and therefore put 20 million into the training ground, and therefore have a ready-made purpose, you know, a facility worth?" worth a a new buyer coming in saying actually you know what that is worth me paying 350 million because I have a
0: training complex which is worthy of such a price tag yeah I think that's a fair argument but I think from it keeps coming back to it I think we all see from the outside uh, wouldn't it be amazing if the club saw the training ground as Mm. almost another way of attracting players in that you know I, I know you can't say a training ground is the only reason the player comes to a club but it's 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 well known, isn't it? That if you have that vision, and the first thing a new sign sees is, is a state of their training ground. Obviously, it, it's a big, big thing. But Newcastle, as, as it always, comes back mm-hmm. to they they feel that they have got a training ground that's fit for purpose, um, and that you know they've never had someone turn around to them and say, oh, "I'm not joining you because of that." Um, and I, I know that's kind of seen as the class glass half empty way of looking at it. But yeah, you just feel um, there are the little improvements that could, could take them on another level that as much as um, they are making the most of the current training ground, imagine how much better and how much more they could get with these players if they were to to um, look at redeveloping it. And they are, you know, it is on the agenda. It's been on the agenda for a long time, but I suppose you're looking at it and you, you see other clubs who are able to go into the market and do the training ground, do it side-by-side. Side. Newcastle feel that if you want players like Joe Linton coming in, then they can't do it at the same time. Um, obviously, that's you have to remember, they did sell oh, Jose Perez this summer. They brought in money um, and they've brought in money over the years through player sales. So it's it's one of those. I think fans would love to see that ambition that we saw in those plans a few years ago, um, but uh, you're just looking at it, the way the club are thinking at the moment is they they can't do both. i.e. make waves in the market as they see it, and bring in a new training ground. And do
1: you do you agree with that stance? Because others would say, "Well, look at Bournemouth; they're gonna get, get a new uh, training ground. Look at Leicester, Wolves, Leicester uh, yeah. Liverpool. Okay, different case. They, they have a lot of money, but still, you know, fifteen million pound new training complex there." Uh, Norwich have opened a £5 million complex I think they haven't spent all that much in the transfer market but still new championship uh, newly promoted side yeah. building a new training ground Huddersfield it went down last season I think they're opening up a new £15-20 million uh, uh, complex we've had Brighton in the not so recent sorry in the recent future in the, sorry in the past in the past sorry um, do the same so clubs are spending money in the transfer market and investing in their training facilities
0: yeah, it's 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 it'd be the best sign of that they were serious about say competing with Leicester and Wolves. You know that, that tier below the top six would be if they came out in the summer with these, these grand plans and actually followed through with them and that everything was in place to, to go with it. But I also know Manchester United, for example, and this is a bit different, but there's a lot of problems with Old Trafford at the moment. Uh, leaks, needs a lick of paint, some things need to be changed with it and they also have that stance that well if you want harry Maguire and you know uh, daniel james you can't have a a shiny new old trafford as well so it's not as uncommon as we think but yeah i think to us as outsiders you know you just know if they could just it would be a real good sign if they address that at some point, but as I said, the club maintain it's absolutely fit for purpose, and that they've never lost out on a player because of it. But you know, um, with all as you mentioned, all those rivals, they are showing the ambition in, in so many levels, and if Newcastle are serious about being, uh, you know, a, a top ten Premier League team in in the years to come. I think it, it's something that has to be addressed. You would think at some point.
1: During the interview with the Daily Mail, it was referenced that. There was a promise of twenty million pounds, um, mixed in with Rafa Benitez's negotiations for a new contract. Be interesting to see if that is still the case under uh, Steve Bruce. Not that, that—that's you know to invest in the training ground.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, we know that they they have thought seriously about it before to the point where it was passed by a clan, a planning committee, and you know they they'd sent a walk through to the councillors ahead of it. And the councillors didn't want to go on site to see it, so they sent this um, essentially a PDF of a walkthrough of what it was going to look like. And I remember speaking to one of the councillors on the committee at the time, and he said it was um, anyone who saw it, the Man City Amazon documentary and like they have an amazing amazing complex, but it was kind of the equivalent at the time that it was really impressive the plans they had, um, the little environmental things they'd taken on board. So it obviously given this so much thought. So it was. You know, disappointing that you go all those effort, quite a lot is spent on you know, design plans and everything else, and then you know it, it doesn't happen and it gets put back. So, you know, at the heart, they're, they they have it in them to come up with a great idea like that. You just want to see them execute it because I think it's we're looking at Newcastle now. You want to move it to the next level. I think the training ground that that is a point at some point in the future, surely.
1: We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes, Spotify or whichever podcast provider you listen through. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows and this is one we think you're going to love.
0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast that is. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent ACAST app or wherever else you get your podcasts.
1: ACAST is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. Moving on to international football then. We've had a few that have been away. We'll talk about Fabian share. Came off against Watford with dizziness, um, joined straight up with his uh, Swiss teammates and scored uh, against Holland. It was a fantastic goal, really uh, well worked. What he was doing on the edge of the opposition box, <laughs> um, the more defensive-minded coach, might have a few questions, but a superb uh, finishing in at the bottom corner. And he's just going from strength to strength this season, isn't he? I mean, he impressed last season, but he's continued that good form. Um and now doing it for his uh, his country.
0: Yeah, it was unfortunate. It was against Ireland obviously for obvious reasons, but no, I mean you you look at since he got on the team properly last November, um what he's brought that kind of different dimension to that back line with, with Lejeune when they're both playing, it's 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 so useful going forward. Um, you know, the Watford game, he was he was almost taking it on himself to the ball out there was one point when there just wasn't enough movement around and he kind of threw his arms up in frustration he he loves getting on the ball and you can see why he used to be a midfielder he's so comfortable in those areas crossing the halfway line and you're looking at him already this season you're thinking he's gonna at least match those four goals he scored last season and to know that at this stage or to to be confident of that rather um, that's such a bonus because you're looking at Newcastle team. Bruce is big on them not just being reliant on a, a Rondon and a Perez to score the goals. That there'll be more of a spread this season. And Share is going to have a huge part to play. Uh, he's their third top scorer last season. And I think he'll be up in the top five again. Um, and that's the key outlet he brings to the back. That he can bring the ball out. But he also has the vision. Uh, when it comes to spotting, you know, Joe Linton in the channels, he's probably one of the few in the team who can, who can find that ball and it's just such a huge asset to have.
1: Sorry, I said it was against Holland and it was against that. Yes. but Because you did a story in which you said Van Van Dijk has posted a fabulous shot on his wall and for some reason I just, just read that and it just, after some reason I was like, I, I thought I misheard I you so it's no funny. no I definitely did see Holland and we can't uh, confirm that Van Dijk does have horses on his World Fabian show but yes it was indeed against Ireland I was just checking that
0: you knew Off that
1: Um but if he continues to perform like this Newcastle might face a few questions in January
0: yeah no I, I think that was the, the big thing I noticed as well with fans when they're reacting to the, the goal against Ireland was oh god uh, <laughs> the world is noticing um, and yeah I know Charlie's in discussion with a few of the players about extending their contracts. You know, the nucleus of the squad, quite a couple few players uh, have their contracts up next season, season after. I think share is the season after next. And you're looking at that, if they could get him tied up, that would be a huge boost because you're not going to find a player like him for three million. <laughs> you know, it was just such a, a remarkable, you know, it, the irony was he wasn't Benitez's first choice, but it was Benitez obviously who knew through his context about the relegation release clause at Deportivo and his absolute masterstroke of a sign ultimately, but just shows you how these things work out. You know, he wasn't number one on the list yet. There's an example of someone, um, who's really stepped up and you know, 27 still has quite a lot to give, doesn't
1: he? Emil Kraft also uh, turned out for Sweden and uh, they won um, in midweek as well. and He's settling quite nicely in Newcastle, I think he's improved. Each game he's played, so um, and obviously good performance for his country, and he can come back and you know he'll, he's probably in line for a start against Liverpool, and, and that'll be a, a, a tough, a tough day for him.
0: Yeah, I think um, the Norwich game was was a really tough one to come into, uh, given all that happened. He had that chance. It was just a really tough game to come into. He played better against Spurs than Watford. I thought he was pretty solid, and I think you would a bit of an interrupted pre-season like most of the new signs to be fair but with the run of games I think you'll start to to adjust um, but you can already tell Bruce is a big fan of him because um, you know to take Manquio out, Manquio one of the big pluses of pre-season um, and put a new guy in with no Premier League experience obviously a big show of faith and he is responding to that and it's interesting that Newcastle you know they could have you know, initially, I know they were looking at taking a right back in on loan, um, but they looked at Kraft and five million felt. You know, it's as good as a no-brainer in the market for a a top top international uh, right back um, in terms of playing for Sweden. Um, that it was a bit of a no-brainer. So I think in time he he pay off. It's it's still young. Um, it's only twenty five, I think, isn't he? Um, and yeah, you're you're seeing him on duty. One of the few on duty, you know. I think there's only four or five of them who are away with their countries. But he's he's going to take a lot of confidence that he has the manager's faith already.
1: On to England, then. Um, let's just go straight just into subject this debate. Um, <laughs> you have got Isaac Hayden, Jamal Lasells, all Newcastle's uh, two besting English players. Uh, Sean Longstaff probably um, can be thrown in there as well. Right now, in your opinion, do any three of them deserve to be in that England squad?
0: Um, I think, in the way Southgate wants to play, I don't think quite yet. I think Longstaff's definitely on the radar, and it's quite telling he wasn't in the under 21s this time round, and you feel that might have something to do with him coming back from the injury. Um, and I think in time once he gets in the under-21s then it can start to happen for him again because he he was definitely in the thinking before he got the injury against West Ham last season with Hayden I think um, you know you look how he's played uh, God it must be about nine ten months now he's been excellent and there's definitely a case for him because there aren't that many English players like him in being that really really reliable holding player in a two Um, but I think that again it's a similar with Lascelles you look at how Southgate wants to play um, the guys he, he's building the team around are, are different kind of skill sets in terms of possession play and bringing the ball out from the back and bring the ball out from midfield and a number of players you look at Chris Small and he's never got a look in under Southgate um, because he's he's not as comfortable as some of the other players with his feet and um, I think that's the way Southgate wants to play is, is probably one of the main reasons that's keeping them from from getting into squads. Um, but also, you look at the the talent that's coming through, who are even younger than those players you mentioned. Um, it's it's remarkable that you're almost looking at the beyond the starting lineup in England now. There's something really exciting coming through, so it's really tough to get in the squad even now. Um, but I don't think they're going to see that as a slight because they know if they can just keep comp- performing for Newcastle I'm pretty sure you know a chance will come for one of those three eventually
1: and do you think that's what it is I mean Hayden referenced um, in an interview last week that um, England they tend to go with a lot more attacking flairy type players in that sort of area so I guess that would be the argument to why Mason Mount or Harry Winks is in the squad because you can throw them off the bench and they can you know change, change the game good. in an instance yeah. whereas Hayden isn't and he you know, he admits that in the interview that he is a more defensive type of player. But, you know, his form he's arguably been the been the form in Cast Night player of two thousand nineteen, he's showing character on and off the pitch. And for me, I mean, just the ultimate professional as well, when you listen to him talk last season about his family issues and how he was open and honest about you know the the challenges he was facing off mm. the pitch, but as soon as I stepped across that white line he said it's about the football and that's a huge test of character for someone who's still relatively young as well mm-hmm. um, and it would only be a benefit for Southgate to have a character
0: like him about wouldn't it? Yeah just I guess you're looking at Declan Rice who who would he pick over Declan Rice um, we had this debate about the Longstaff Rice debate for for a while uh, last season but I I just think he's he's got a certain profile of player in mind um, and you're looking at the ones who are in there. You've uh, Oxley Chamberlain in there, who's always been a favourite of his. There's just not many slots up for grabs because you're not going to take a place off Rice, Oxley Chamberlain, even Barkley. Uh Like, I, I know it's the thing with Saqid is you. Lingard had probably one of his worst, you know, six seven months of football uh, since he broke in and he's still getting in the squad so there's always that thing with international managers that when you have a settled group you don't want to rip it up too much and I think that's the thinking you know you're seeing Kieran Trippier obviously coming back in you've seen Danny Rose coming back in experienced players at that level and while Southgate is very keen to bring through the next generation I think that's that's playing a part as well the reality is Hayden hasn't got the chance um and it's, it's almost too far down the line of this qualifying campaign, maybe, unless he has a really stunning few months for him to get a call before the Euros, you know, that, that's the horrible reality of it, it seems.
1: To Jamal LaSalle's, I suppose this debate kind of rises up because you see Tyrone Mings getting chance after four games. No one, he has doubt in the talent that Tyrone Mings has got, you know, he's just been very unfortunate with injuries. Um, Jamal Else has been a consistent performer in the Premier League um, for the past few years not to even have a look in Tyrone Minks to come coming after four games I mean that's that's going to sting LaCelze isn't it a little bit
0: yeah I, I, like I said I don't think they're I think they're so far down the line those lads now that it's not necessarily hurting them that they're not getting it. I think their priority is the the club football and I think while they would love a call up um you know, Newcastle is the cliched bread and butter, isn't it? You've seen with Paul Dummett, with the Wales, it's it's a very different situation. But, um you know, he picked up an injury on Judy at Wales last season and it knocked him back a bit. And he felt he couldn't really to do that again. It could hinder him massively this season. So it's. I think they, they won't be hurt by it necessarily. I think they they're so focused and they know they just have to keep performing at their highest level I do firmly believe you know you're looking at long staff particularly Hayden and Lascelles if they keep performing really well um, they, time will come for at least one of them I just Southgate the way he looks at football and the way he looks at players who come through particularly the under 21s just drive home that point it's not a coincidence a lot of those players came through the under 21s as well um, it's he has his way of looking at things and he sticks to it, and that's managers, isn't it? Obviously, the Newcastle lads have, have fallen victim to it, but you've seen with when Hayden's interviewed about it, he's very uh, philosophical about it. He's not taking it as a personal slight. He just knows it's a certain manager, has a certain way of playing, and there's a really good crop coming through, and it's, it's tough to get into the squad.
1: Certainly, fingers crossed, they will get a chance eventually. Well that is the end of this episode, thank you very much for joining us, short but sweet, hoping your opinion, if it is please leave a uh, comment or review to whichever platform you do listen to us through, that will be much appreciated, uh, we'll have our Liverpool preview um, later this week, until then uh, enjoy uh, the rest of your week.
0: How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a Staycast from ACAST. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out.